Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, we hunt the world, and you can too. Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level? Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? But didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World. I'm Brian Maiman, co-founder of Rolling Bones Outdoors. With me today is Brian Martin. The main man Martin is to the left, mountain man Martin. Across the table is Brad Dana. And he has his mask on. For those of you listening in today, uh, depending on when you hear this, we are in the middle of the greatest COVID scenario ever. And you know what? I have not found one of my animals that I've ever hunted with a qualified case of COVID. But anyway, to the right is the man who makes this all work, puts it together, and uh, beeps this out. But he actually doesn't put a beep in there. He just puts a little space. You didn't even know when Brian Martin's off the hook or off the reservation. So anyway. Off the rails. <laughs> the, the rails. That's <laughs> I don't You're drink, just going to I don't drink enough to be. <laughs> you just got bleeped. <laughs> um, <laughs> beep, beep, beep. All right. So anyway, if you just heard a white. A little white space there in our voices. That was uh, that was Main Man Mountain Martin. And anyway, today we are going to talk about something that is uh, interesting. Because if I'm sitting where you're sitting, I want this information. So get your pen and paper out. Listen up, because we have some we have some experience in this DIY versus outfitted, private versus public. DIY versus outfitted, private versus public. It kind of all gets put together in one big package, and uh, I call them young bucks with bows. That because I was there once. I was a young buck with bow. My fiscal, I, I had there was an inversion of time and finances. Does that make sense? It kind of crossed in there, right? The and confluence. The confluence. That'd be a better way to say it. In inversions, when something comes in and presses down, and and that was um, the the uh, money <laughs> issue I had when I was young and just out of college. But anyway. Um, but I always, I, I do always remember, um, because I was, I was a big DIY guy, and I loved bow hunting because I grew up in Iowa. That's what you did. You didn't have rifles, you know. I didn't know what it was like to chase a coyote across the prairie. Anyway, um, and from my perspective, uh, I loved to shoot my bow. I moved to northern Wisconsin, was bow hunting, but I wanted to go to Colorado. I wanted to go all these places. Well, all my buddies were getting married, buying houses, and Brian's always like, yeah, you, you got married young, too. But I qualify that with getting married, buying houses, and getting truck payments. I would go on guided hunts because I wanted the education. I had a different perspective early on. And so anyway, um, I'm going to get your guys' thoughts on this, and I will abstain from giving my opinion right now and or my perspective. But if you're sitting there today and you want to know what's the best for me, is it DIY or is it outfitted? Is it public or is it private? The answer is yes, 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 and yes, and here's why. Brad. Well, that's a good question. I remember I was an avid, well, I still love do-it-yourself. We don't, we've done do-it-yourself hunts all over. Every year we do DIY, and Every, I love it. That's our primary method still is DIY. Now, I was so 
focused on DIY because I spent so much time doing it myself that uh, one of my buddies called and said, hey, let's go do this guided hunt. And I said, dude, I'm not not into that. Um, I don't need a guide. I don't need somebody dragging me around. And he refocused me and he goes, Brett, there are way more reasons to do a guided hunt. I know you can do it. I know we do it every year. You don't have to check your brain at the door when you do a guided hunt. And I was like, hmm, that's a good perspective. He goes, you're, 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 you're going to get access to things that you might not normally get. So it's access. Um, a lot of the people we talk to now, I even recommend, because everybody, what everybody wants to do is they want to come out and go hunting what? Elk. And those guys usually start, come out elk hunting with a bow. A couple of reasons for that. The weather's good. The animals are distributed um, more uh, diversely. And it's easier to get a tag generally. And that's how, it, I, that's how I, I mean, I, I did, it, did it myself all over for 20 years. And uh, there's another perspective is that, man, that's the best time to go with an outfitter or a guide, somebody who's successful too, um, because all guides are not created equal and learn from them. Because my philosophy on that, especially on elk hunting, because there's a lot that goes into it, um, you can cut 10 years off your learning curve. And then you start doing the guide to do it yourself hunts. You've just, you've just gotten an MBA in in uh, in elk hunting by going, I mean, you didn't get an MBA, but maybe you got an associate's degree, we'll say that. But it cuts a lot of the uh, learning curve off and you become a more successful hunter. There's a lot of other reasons. It might be private, which we're going to talk about. You might have access to land that you otherwise could not get on. And the flip side of that is some places, the best hunting is on public land. Usually that means there's a restriction on licenses, but they, there's enough uh, uh, diversity in the country that they can get away um, and, and grow up to be old, big animals. So those are some of my initial thoughts. And uh, not checking your brain at the door is something you have to realize that you're not checking your brain at the door. You still show up and like our little, our buddy, uh, Mountain Man Martin here, he always says, and to go, <laughs> he said, go on a guided hunt as if you were planning on hunting by yourself. I always like that too, you know, because I'm sure you, you know, how many times did you have people show up and their guns weren't sighted in and they didn't, I mean, it was a total disaster. Yeah. So before we turn it over to Brian, because I know he's going to have some poignant statements here coming fast. <laughs> I, I would say this to you that's listening today that one if you are a DIY guy and you say that's absolutely it before you're listening to this podcast you already don't shut us off yet okay please I'm, I'm talking to you for a second listen to us through because we have perspective that might help you I was a DI guy could do it all myself but here's what I never did I never got a even though I was a DIY guy nobody ever educated me that if you're going to be a DI guy, it's imperative to have an application strategy if you want to hunt trophy animals in the western states. So you got to get a resource. We're that resource, we believe, to get an application strategy and start applying. You that are 23, 25, 28, Dennis and Peoria, you're 37, you got to get an application strategy, okay, if you're going to be DIY. Now, here's the other thing with DIY. There's private and public, okay, and we're going to talk about that. My perspective on guided is much to what Brad said. 
I did my first guided hunt at 21 years old. It was a black bear hunt in northern uh, Saskatchewan up by the Carrot River. And the reason I did that was because at that time it was four years to apply to get a bear in northern Wisconsin where I was living. And I had bear walk under my tree stand all the time and I wanted to shoot one. So I booked a hunt. Here's what I found out. I still had to do the hunting. Every morning I got up early. I went and I learned so much about baiting. It was education to what you said. The guided hunt for me, because I went there with an understanding that I wasn't going to check my brain at the door. I was going to do exactly what you said. I was going to engage in the hunt from tip to tail. I learned so much. The other thing was it was access to experience. It was access to experience. And that access changed my world. When I got home from that, I had a whole different perspective about how I was going to bait on my own 40 acres in Wisconsin, how I was going to approach bear hunting in Wisconsin, what I was going to do from that perspective. And then immediately after that, I said, you know what? I'm going to go hunt caribou. So I immediately booked a caribou hunt to the Ungava territory because I wanted that experience. I wanted that access and I wanted that adventure. So I think guided hunts have a lot of misnomer from people that, or there is a big misnomer with it, I should say, that, that people don't understand that really in, in all fairness to all the outfitters, they're not created equal. But when you do your homework, when you do your research, when you use a company like ours to make sure you get there, you get access, you get adventure, and you get experience. And those three things are worth paying for. What does Warren Buffett say? Pay for education, okay? Pay for education and pay for value. And when you pay for that, and he also says don't borrow money for consumer debt. Just borrow money to make money or never borrow money. And he's from Nebraska, right? Not very not smart. Iowa. Not Iowa? Not a very smart guy. But anyway, <laughs> um, so the reality is, though, no, teasing. Um, the reality is, is access, adventure, and experience. To me, that's what you pay for. Brian, you have nothing to say. Podcast over. Done. Hey, Brad, great job. Yeah, good I, job. Hey, that was really good. Right? Thanks nice. for joining us today, Brian Martin. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hunting is kind of like... Are you done playing on your phone? Uh, hunting is a lot like sex. <laughs> no! <laughs> yes, because it's a very personal experience. What is right for you and your wife is not right for the next guy and his wife, for example. So it's very important when you go hunting, you're, doing, you're, you're going on hunts first that you enjoy, um, ones that push <laughs> you and challenge you. <laughs> you started that off really on the on the edge. No, but it is. But I think you I recovered. Mean, but it, for example, let's say Brian likes to get his heart rate at 170 when he climbs a mountain, and it's like it's like for him more exciting than doing CrossFit or something. The next guy just wants a big animal, and he is better off, you know, going on an easy road hunt or a, or a horseback hunt. So the nice thing about we're talking about, you know, why would you do DIY? Why would you do guided? I think personally. It, the only reason never to do a guided hunt is because you're either too proud or you're too broke. But I do think if you really wanted to be a really, really well-rounded hunter, you need to do both. Because I've taken clients that have never really done a hunt on their own, other than maybe a turkey hunt in the backyard or a bird hunt. And I think you don't really challenge yourself fully um, if you've always relied on a guide. But it also depends on the engagement level you have with the guide. If you do your homework and you choose your guide as a potential teacher, as a professor, I call it, like as an education trip, uh, you can learn more on one trip from the right guy than you can in five DIY hunts where you fail miserably. Take a moose hunt in Alaska. Like if you've never been on a river with a boat, never clean an animal bigger than a deer on your own, 
never navigated and used a GPS, and you think you're going to go on a moose hunt and pull out a 65-inch moose the first time without doing some huge mistake, I mean, you can, hey, hey, go for it. Read your books. Read all that stuff. There's all these DIY books on moose hunting, but you're gonna, your, your chance of success is going to be a lot less, of course, um, than if you were to, say, hire a guide or a packer, or at least hire somebody that puts you in the right place. But some people like to learn that way. I mean, I prefer... And that's how I learned. I mean, I learned growing up on our farm. I always had hunting. We didn't have guides when I was young because we couldn't afford them. I think my first elk I shot, we hired a packer to pack it out of the big gorge because dad, I was too young and dad was old enough. He was smart enough not to try and do it. So my first experiences were always DIY. Um, so for me, with our, if you look at what I do with Asian mountain outfitters, I tell the hunters when you go internationally and you don't have a guide like me who speaks English, you have to have a pretty good understanding of hunting and what's going on, otherwise you'll make a lot of mistakes because the communi communication boundary is not there. I mean, you have a big boundary, I mean, between communication. And your best guides over there typically don't speak much English, and the interpreters usually aren't great hunters, so if they go with you, they can't really help you that much. So that's a good example of where it's a hybrid hunt. You go like it's a self-guided hunt, but you use the experience of the local man. Um, and you think about it, how are you going to de do DIY in Kyrgyzstan when you don't have a vehicle there, you don't own any of the horses there. I mean, you can go rent the horses, and I know guys that are kind of wild-ass guys that have hunted on local people's permits over the years in these places, but they usually don't do very well. And, um, they're, I mean, they kill something, but it's not very good. So, for me, I like quality. So, if I want quality, I have to either pay for access, do a lot of homework and research, and if you're a busy guy and you're traveling a lot and have family, you may not have time to put out trail cameras in a state that's 300 or 800 or 2,000 miles away. So hiring an outfitter for five grand or 10,000 if you drew a, a, a one in 10 year or one in 20 year tag, I mean, you're crazy to go do a do-it-yourself hunt if you don't have the time to do it right, especially if you're a trophy guy. So, I mean, I don't believe a hunt should be based strictly on the size of the animal by any means, but at the same time, if I spent 20 years drawing a mule deer license or 15 years drawing an elk license, um, why do I want to go shoot something small? I mean, at the end of the day, you're lying if you're saying you're doing it for meat. It's a lot cheaper to go buy rat wagyu beef, which we just had for lunch today, than it is to go on a stone <laughs> sheep hunt. It's a lot cheaper to buy ragu beef and even to go cow elk hunting clear across the country. So you don't do it for the meat. Meat is a bonus. That is what you're really doing. Uh, but you should enjoy the meat. It is a great lean. It's um, healthy, uh, you know, <laughs> grass-fed, lots of vitamins in it. But really, we hunt because we like to. We're predators. By nature, some people aren't predators um, anymore. The comments, they don't have to the be. comments aren't what like flabbergast me sometimes. It's how does your brain work so fast and go there? You know what I'm saying? At 50, like sometimes I can't even remember what I had for breakfast, and and you can just like run. So good for you. You you obviously have gray matter. I've thought about this before though too. So hunting is a very. That's why I, that's why I said hunting is like sex. It's a very. It's it's the most natural. Um, instinct we have, you know, for reproduction and survival, those are the two things. But back to the DIY. Um, I, I, there's a big argument out there where, like, if you're not hunting on... <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> where if you're not hunting on public land, you're here, not a real here, hunter. Here, here, here's what I will tell you. The argument of the, the, what drives me nuts is if you're sitting there listening to this and you want to argue, well, DIY is better than guided... I, I get it. I've had some of the most physical hunts DIY ever, but I've also had some of the most physical hunts, actually way more physical on a guided hunt than I ever have on a DIY hunt. The other thing is, is that I wanted to say about the, the, um, the, uh, us as, as human beings, and this is a fact, we're predators. The thing that separates us from a mountain lion is not that we kill and eat meat. 
we, we both kill and eat meat. The thing that separates us that every one of you needs to listen to, and you should share this with your non-hunter friends. I, I do want to digress for a second. The biggest thing, the biggest is, thing is we cook the meat. They don't. It, that's, that's a fact. When we harvest it, the biggest difference is not that we eat it. It's not that we consume it. It's not that it fuels us. It's the fact that we put it in a pot and prepare it for ourselves. Pr- prepare it for ourselves, and they don't. It's the only difference. And because of that, because we do, and now we've, we've generationally removed ourselves from the fact that the animal is alive. Listen, my first degree in this world as an adult that, that to feed my family was running a butcher shop. Yeah. Okay, and, 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 and I know food comes from a package, but why I hunt, if, I, if you're DIY or not, I, I hunt to harvest that animal and because it is an absolute basic instinct. So I digress, but here's the thing. DIY or guided, private or public, the fact of the matter is I'm it's after the, an adventure to kill an animal like my forefathers did, and at the end of the day, I'm a butcher. I'm going to eviscerate the animal, and when I'm done eviscerating it, I'm going to prepare it for a pot, a pot, and that makes me different than every other predator out there. And well, the DIY versus pub, private uh, versus guided hunts a lot like the archery versus the rifle or the or the ar- traditional bow versus the the other bow. I mean, wh- however you do it, try and do it right. Be proficient with your weapon, whether you're DIY or going on a guided hunt. I mean, the nice thing about a guided hunt is if you screw up and you don't know what you're doing as much, uh, a good guy can help save the day, so to speak. He can back you up. He, he can uh, help you track an animal. So if you don't have the skill set and you really want to get into hunting, I would say pick the best guide you can who's also an educator. Because some of the, I, I know some really good young guides that are just more killers. They really are not educators. They just like, you can keep up, you're going to kill a sheep today. So but it's a, not really an education. Here's, here's so a question. I always tried to educate. And like one of my friends, one of my favorite hunters used to call me master guide because I'm always helping, whether okay. it's a bow hunter or whatever, and, 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 and showing them this is why we do it. But Brian, that, what you're saying right there, that I think is believed and perceived by a lot of people listening today. That that it that means that what you just said equals expense, okay? Expense, and so tell me about tell me about this, and and I want Brad's input on this too. Expense. People think okay, all that comes with money. Let's blow the myth out that having an outfitter or a guide on some of these hunts is is more expensive than DIY. Uh, that's really simple. Okay, let's say. You want to go on an elk hunt and take your wife and your kid, for example, and you want and you want to do it with horses, and you want to have your own horses, and you don't live in Wyoming, you don't live in Colorado. How are you going to get your horses from Minnesota out there and pack out, let's say, a cow elk or even a bull elk? How are you going to? How much is it going to cost you to have you know one or two pack horses per person and the riding horses, have them shod, feed and board those horses all year long? have the equipment, the F-250 or the F-350 or whatever to get them out here, that is not cheap. So let, let's say you take a guy who's a dentist in Minnesota, and he lives in a nice house, doesn't have a quad, doesn't have a horse, so he can save 10000 a year, 15000 a year on, his, on that expense and, and use that money towards hunting. Yeah, now, now he's not feeding the horses all year round, but that's also time. So he can maybe do a couple more braces every year, maybe a couple more root extractions because he's not feeding his damn horses all the time, and he can actually be ahead by not going on let, a DIY let, hunt. Let's abstain from the dentist examples. Okay? Well, I know, but that's, uh, that's one example. <laughs> but let's say, a guy, let's say a guy spends 10 years to get drawn, and he, he drew a really good area, but it's a little bit rougher area because he was tired of getting 
putting in for the areas that are easier to draw because they're mainly private land. So if you want public land DIY, those are hard to get if they got trophies. If you want to get, just like your antelope in, in, in Wyoming, you can go hunt an all-private land area with smaller antelope and get drawn almost every year. You want to go hunt the Red Desert on public land where the DIY goes, it might take you 10, 13 years. So it's, it's a cost. How much time do you want to spend to draw? Because it is time and money. And um, you have to look at, you, I mean, the numbers don't lie. I mean, if it takes this many years to get drawn, and your wife's going to chew your butt out because you drove all the way out here and didn't get an elk and you were gone for two weeks and versus if you went with an outfitter and you got a really good bull and it only took you a week, you didn't hurt yourself, you didn't break your truck, you know, you know all these things. So you have to look at it. And some people just, it's, it's the principle, they don't want to go guided. I look at guiding as, there's a lot of places I've hunted in the world. I show up in Africa, I don't know crap about certain species in Africa. I don't know where the snakes are, I don't know, you know, where the water holes are. So for me to go DIY in Africa, and that's what I did in my first hunt there, I went to Cameroon as a DIY, I mean, your success rate is going to go down a lot. You're going to have to know how to judge your trophies, and where do you practice judging Eland and Roan and Buffalo in North America? You don't. So, for example, you go to Africa, and then I, I would have been smarter hunting Africa first with a pH friend, and then gone off and done a DIY hunt instead of going on a DIY hunt the first time. And I like going with people. That's how I be became a really good hunter is hanging out and hunting with good hunters and good guides. And that's how you get better. If you're only hunting on your own, um, you're only, it's like going to the gym and thinking you're really strong and you bench press 250 pounds and then you go to a powerlifting competition. There's some guy there that weighs your weight. The bench press is 450. You go, hmm, I guess I wasn't very strong. So if you want to get strong, you got to associate with people who are better than you, whether it's shooting, whether it's learning how to pack a pack, whether it's even simple as like putting certain insoles in your boots that will save your feet. So all these things is a good reason not to be so proud about going on guided hunts because you don't have to be treated like a babysitting experience. It doesn't have to be that way. I go on guided hunts because I have to legally and I tell the guide, give me the young guy who's enthusiastic and I'll help him and we'll work together as friends. I tell the guide, you're not responsible for my success. Just we're going to have a good time. You help me cook. You help me pack the animal. We're hunt as buddies. So you can treat it like that and it's a good experience for everybody or that's you can good, treat him good. like a servant. That, and that's really good perspective and, and, and that's one of the things that when you're going to look at it, getting a guided hunter, if you go, okay, I get that, Brian. That's good perspective. I should look into it. Then give us a call, 605-644-8000. Pick up the phone and say, hey, go on our web. Look at our hunt catalog. Go do a hunt plan. Do the best matches. Click on new hunt plan. See what your best matches are, and then start sharing and, and comparing, I always say. Share them with your buddy or start comparing them between each other because in all sincerity, uh, Brad said this twice, all uh, guides are not created equal, but there's an opportunity for you and there's a resource in us to compare those guides and get that understanding. Brad, I know you have perspective on this. I'd like to hear that. Well, my first perspective, I think you will join me in my sorrow. I did not draw my mountain goat or my Black Hills, uh, big, or my bighorn sheep tag. Nor so, did I. But I gained a preference point, so that's another awesome thing, which they uh, don't know how to call. It's actually a bonus point in South Dakota, but they call it a preference point. So they're a little backwards, but someday they'll learn, figure it out. Um, the other thing... The other thing about it is that I like is uh, you do f you you can develop some pretty cool uh, relationship friendships with uh, some of these guys. Some of the places you go back uh, time after time. I know I have I have horses. I had horses for a long time. It's a pain in the butt taking your own horses. If you go very far, that becomes just an, a, a major job. Um, takes longer to get there. 
And when I take my own horses, we never have enough. You know, you, well, you, you don't have enough. You don't have enough trailer room. You don't have enough stock. Well, you got to have almost two vehicles to get stuff yeah. for the gear. And, well, most horses, you take them from your house, they're not trained for them. I've seen so many people You just shoe the horses, and they have a little bit of fat on them, so they get sore. Crazy. Um, and an outfitter's horse, he's usually been using them packing and feed and packing and stuff. They get there, they're in shape. They're not the same horses. Taking your horses there no. from here out no. is like taking a fat guy like myself right now and expecting me to go do a backpack hunt with no training with an 80-pound pack like I used to when I was 25 and training all the time. You know, it's not going to be very easy I know, for I, me. I, I love that. Guys from Iowa, Minnesota. Yeah, I got some horses, and they take them up in the mountains, and they go, well, this... They're, they're useless. They, they don't know what to eat, and they yeah, get and, boogeyman. And they, exactly. they jump at everything. They see everything. a creek, and they launch. And they spend all they their time... They see a bear, and they crap themselves on the trail. So, so here's the know. reality. Don't tell me you wanted to go hunting. Why didn't you just go out west and go on a horseback trip, a trail ride with your... Because you're not... You, well, it's, you know what? It's ridiculous. That, that's okay, too. That's part of their adventure. No, I, no, I understand that. But it's that. hard. Well, it but it's so hard because then what happens is they go, we go, we got a great hunt for 4200 bucks they go i'd never spent 4200 bucks to go hunting right. no you just spent 2000 bucks in fuel and horse vet bills right. to come out here and you did it for 3 years in a row 6000 bucks you still don't have an elk so don't say that guy my only my biggest beef with this is that you can't say guided is too expensive you can just say that it's not the experience you want or you don't understand it. But what you can't do is tell me that it's too expensive. A guy from Iowa, a guy from Minnesota, and th these are my brothers. I mean, right. I, I know these people, right? They go, hmm. They come out west, and they spend 300 bucks, 400 bucks in fuel driving out here. Then they get here. Now, they don't spend that anywhere. They go to Sleepy Cat Ranch. They rent one horse. They go up with their bow. They get all their gear. They go up there, and they fight up there for seven, eight days trying to squawk their way around. They do that for three, four years in a row, and they spent four, five, six thousand bucks. They still haven't ran into an elk. When they should have done it absolutely in the reverse. Right. They should have spent four thousand bucks, went with an outfitter, got the education, got the access, got the experience, came back. And I, I'm surprised Brian didn't say that to begin with, because that's what he always says. Then, then go on your DIY, and then apply. Then apply your your education, your experience, what you've learned, what you've learned to your hunt, and watch yourself flourish. Then be proud of your yourself you go dude i did it i then you could actually wear this badge goes i'm a guide not i'm a diy hey i i can get successful i just see this that there's just this big upside down thinking and it, it is a passion of mine because i've seen so many of my buddies that go you know the, oh yeah that's part of it and i watch them well, run around out here and it even brian your, your guys that come from iowa that yeah. come out antelope hunting i mean you don't need horses although it's fun to hunt antelope with horses um, you don't need horses to hunt antelope. You don't need a guide to hunt on the public land that there's abundance of out here. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of antelope running around out here. But still, their success rate, that's always, it, it, it's not the same as, no. as uh, and the reason they being what they were doing. Is when they came out here and went with me. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying, oh, look at me. Yeah, you were essentially a, a professional guide for Yeah, them. because I did it. I'd been with outfitters. They got, I know what I was doing. I take them a, out, boom. You, you were just shoot a free one. guide. Yeah, you shoot that one, you shoot that one. Then they come back out on their own, and they immediately drop to 50%. Well, I'm fine with that, but don't complain about it's too expensive. And, and you know, I just, I, I really hope people that are, I hope you that are, you that's listening to this today, that you get that all we want to do is create the best experience possible. And if you do want to, I absolutely got to do DIY. Okay, perfect. 
give us a call then. Let us help you, brother. Let us help you figure out where you can go. We can put the point on the map and tell you what gear you need then. Because there, uh, your white-tailed tree stand pack won't do what you need it to do to do a DIY mule deer hunt in eastern Montana. You need a different pack. You need a different approach. Let us help you with your attitude. Let us help you with your approach. Let us help you with your application. And that's what I say. I've said that for 25 years in business. I paid to develop the right attitude, the right approach. You paid so for I your CE. To, you paid for yes, good CE. So I could have the right application. It's no different in your hobby. I, I want to help you with that on this call. Get the right attitude. Get the right approach. Have the right application. You'll have a better experience. And wow, can good things happen. Well, and the other thing is there's a lot of stuff you can't hunt. Well, there's not other. I mean, there's a fair amount of stuff. You can't hunt grizzly. Yep. You can't hunt brown bear without a guide. You can't hunt sheep without a guide. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, if you unless you don't ever want to hunt those things. I mean, you could if you're in your home state, you can hunt. You you can hunt. But in Wyoming, if you're not a resident and you unless you draw in unit 5 or It's illegal unit to go in national forest, right? Wilderness areas. Wilderness area. Yep, wilderness areas. Wow. You can go in national forest, but you can't go in wilderness areas without a without a guide or uh, there's another there's another way around that if you have friends in Wyoming or something, but um, it, it, it just gives you more opportunity, you know. I mean, we've done uh, another example would be do do it yourself. We've done do it yourself hunts in Alaska for moose. Here's the other thing: getting all of your gear up there. It's really hard to get the appropriate amount of gear up there, and and it kicked us in the butt a little bit. We both got frostbite. I I was hypothermic on that trip time or two. It was uh, an expensive lesson. It's just tough because we had, I mean, we had all the gear we could reasonably Boy, did carry. we figure that out. Because now we, have, we actually have transporters and guides. It, it, it's, like, it's like not calling us to go on a DIY float trip is crazy because I get the DIY float trip in, in, in Alaska. I love that. And uh, I, I, I love the whole experience. But like Brian said, how about doing it with the right resources? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, how much does it cost you one year to go DIY? I mean, honestly, if you figure it out per person, six to eight thousand. Okay, one good moose hunt, depending where you go, between say, depending. Well, let's look at northern British Columbia because you can get big ones there. A lot of times, you can get nor big as big a moose in northern BC as most DIY guys will do in Alaska. So you're looking to say thirteen, fourteen thousand up to maximum of say. There's guys that are more, but let's say twenty-five thousand to twenty-seven. So you go three times at six to eight thousand. And you kill one moose. Or you go one time with an outfitter and you shoot a big one, then you spend your other time either then you go on a DIY hunt where you know where to go, or you go caribou hunt or something. No, and, and then you can hurt yourself. I know many guys that have stabbed themselves in the legs and and had disasters and almost drowned because they didn't know the river, they didn't have the right equipment, they tried to go with too small of a laugh raft, they overloaded it. They had bear issues because they didn't know they didn't have the electric fencing and, and well, they, you know what? The all other this thing, stuff. The other thing is with your float trip when you're talking about that, we have DIY opportunities for guys that outfitters actually they they do everything. You I, I say they do everything. You they don't get, hunt with you. They don't but hunt they set with the you. Camp up. They check on yeah. the, and get they the put meat everything help, in a boat. You get the meat out. They, they yeah. put everything and in a they boat. Actually, one of the guys up there I know has an educational video and books. So at least when you go up there, but there's you can read about it all you want. Right. It's like a college degree versus actually working in the field for five years. Theoretically, it sounds easy. Like theoretical, doing a split sounds easy until you try it. And you well, but and what you, my you point know. was is you spend eight thousand dollars on a on a, on a guy that transports you in. You go get rent the raft. You go do this whole thing. You call us. 
For 10500 we have an outfitter that knows there's moose in the area. He drops you off in your own raft with your own food. You show up with your backpack and your weapon, okay? And for two grand more, 2500 bucks more, you're taking care of tip to tail, and he has all the provisions you need. So that's what people, other, other people don't understand is that there's resources out there. We want to be that resource for people. That's why we even provided this. And it just makes me go, wow, this is why we started the company because th- this is, we're passionate about it. And I'm sitting here getting well, Moose, excited Moose at the table. Moose is an with, easy one. That's so a really with, good well, one. Three ugly there's, guys. There's, there's a couple things of advice. That some of, so when I first started going in the guiding business, I was 19 and I was a DIY guy, but I always thought it was cool to go on guided hunts when he had money. I, I met a hunter, a great hunter, out of Boise, Idaho. His name is Charlie Phoenix. I remember. I, I don't forget much. And um, <laughs> this was, and he was a home what builder, Phoenix Homes. <laughs> and he said, Brian, he said, when I was young, like my age, he said, I want to get as many days in the year hunting as much as possible, no matter what it was doing, shooting squirrels, shooting does, shooting whatever. And he said, as I got older, he said, I appreciated the quality trips. And he said, I had less time. I had more money. And he said, I got tired of shooting the same size animals and shooting not very good ones because I wasn't putting in for quality tags. So he said, I started going on a few guide hunts. He said, I have a great hunting ability. I don't have to be guided, but I appreciate the guide. They got the horses. How do I hunt northern BC on my own without a guide anyway? So he had the right mentality of all the guys. He's the first guy that really made me think, here's a guy who's a great hunter, can do it on his own, smart enough to know his limitations, smart enough to know if he wants to shoot a stone sheep and a moose, he's got to go guided unless he wants to move to British Columbia. I mean, so the other thing is when you're young, when you're a high schooler and you think, you know what, I want to go stone sheep hunting, you know, I want to go Marco Polo hunting, I want to go shoot the big five, you probably don't choose being a school teacher for your main profession. Um, I was just going to say just the like exact if you wanna, same Just thing. like you said, if I want a Ferrari, let's say you got a Ferrari up on your wall and you say, I want to own a Ferrari, you have to choose an occupation or business that's going to equal the pay you need to do to do it. So what's that saying? Fail to plan and plan to fail. And that is very true with hunting. It's very true in business. If you said, I'm just going to have fun in school, and I'm going to smoke some weed and get drunk a little bit, then I'm going to go pull some lumber off the green chain, that that might be a fun life. But you're not going to be a stone sheep hunter. You might get one in your life. The guys who have six grand slams probably didn't do that. But it doesn't make you a good hunter. I know guys that have multiple grand slams that aren't as good a hunter as the guys who have one or zero. It doesn't make you a good hunter. It just means that you, you chose a certain path in life. And you can go on hundreds of guided hunts and not pay attention, just show up and shoot. Might be a good shooter, but if I drop you off at a lake, so I think... I think what you just said is so important because that's where... The, I'm just sitting here listening. That's where this big misnomer comes from is people go, oh, yeah, that guy's got a bunch of money and, and he's killed all that stuff, but he's not that great a hunter. You're right. He might not be, but it doesn't make your perspective better because he went and did that and, and it doesn't make his better than yours. The fact of the matter is... Going on a guided hunt doesn't mean you're a bad hunter, okay? Yeah, um, and just because you got five grand slam doesn't mean you should be put on a pedestal for being a great exactly. hunter. Exactly. We know you some can, pretty you, wealthy guys who are actually really, really good hunters, and they hunt a lot, and they shoot a lot. They, the only their passion way to, the is only, the outdoors. And I know some guys that aren't very wealthy that but go on guided hunts and think they're good hunters, that they're not very good hunters. But, so you that's listening here, just get rid of all that. Well, it's about, it's about ego and pride, too. I mean, there's not, I mean, I would say hunting is a lot like a guy who has a beautiful wife. you got to take a guy, beautiful wife, he walks into a room, kind of like the women look at it, eh, who, why does he have that? You know, a guy <laughs> shows up, and he's got a beautiful, he's got a Ferrari, and everybody else has Mustangs. It's like, well, he must be an Right? I mean, he might be. He might not be. Just because you drive a Corvette doesn't mean you're 55 with ED, right? I mean, so... 
You realize in the Black Hills, a Ferrari is a Suburban. I know. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is it is a personal thing. Just like I said at the beginning, Absolutely. it's like sex. And it is a personal thing. What makes one person happy will, not, will, will destroy another person. How about let's use this analogy. Taste is subjective. Yeah, some people want it medium rare. Some people want it overdone. Same steak. Exactly. And, and, and so, so we get it. we know where you sit. Ho- hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we're given some honestly, some concrete information. It's very y- personal, though. It, it is very personal, and I get it. But, but here's what I want. Th- I, 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 hope, I, hope, I hope you listening goes, hmm, there is a perspective here from three guys that have done a ton of hunting, and all three of us started DIY. I would get bow. I would get <laughs> off I would get off the bus when I was 12 years old. I would jump on my mini bike, my pedal bike, and I would go check my pocket gopher trap line. When I got that checked and everything reset, I would grab my 22 rifle and I would go out with my little uh, Norwegian elk hound that was the best squirrel dog ever, and we would go hunt squirrels, red squirrels. And I would bring back red squirrels, and I would hang them up from my mom's clothesline, and I would pull the hide off of them, and I would prep them, and I would, my mom would go in, and I'd clean them off, and she would put them in a pot with water and a little salt because it, it would extract any bloodshot from it and let them sit in there for two, three hours, and you'd chop them up like a chicken. And she made the best squirrel chicken pot pie you'd ever eaten in your stinking life. Okay? That's what that I was 12, 13 years old. And I never in my while She was, was a master at squirrel and rabbit pot pie. Oh, dude, she was <laughs> she was amazing at that cooking that crap to make it taste good. But my whole point to this is if you're listening in today, just all we want to do is change your perspective. Here's three guys that have different backgrounds. We all started DIY. We've all got done guided hunts over the world. For, for the love of the Lord, Brian Martin is the leading authority in worldwide adventures. You know what I'm saying? And we all started there. We just want to help you get a different perspective because maybe we could help you take the next step to a little bit better adventure and the next step and see that the, the, the path, the road to more adventure and better success is just literally with a little bit of access, a little bit of education. Get the right attitude, the right approach, and we'll uh, teach you some applications and you'll learn them from the outfitters and from the area and uh, get you on your hunt of a lifetime, man, get, and whatever that is for you. So anyway, any, you guys have anything else? I don't mean to be wrapping it up, but is there anything else? No, I mean, in summary, I mean, DIY, guided. If you can afford to go guided, I would say go guided. But it's kind of like a, a guy in Alaska that has his own plane, and he flies. He used to fly too much, right? He wouldn't land, and he wouldn't go hunting unless he saw a big ram. So you can take anything to extremes. You can have a 1,000-yard gun. doesn't mean you have to shoot every animal to 1,000 yards. Just because you go on a guided hunt, it doesn't mean you have to go every hunt guided. So, I mean, if you go every hunt guided in your life... You will probably not appreciate as much. You do not fully appreciate it in case you get dropped off at a lake and the pilot flies it flies away and he forgets something you might need or not and you're by yourself and you and you get snowed on blizzard and, and your satellite phone quits, whatever. I mean, those are the ones you remember, but I've had really hard guided hunts like that where I had to go guided to be legal. Um I mean, two of my doll sheep hunts were the last day. Last day we even stayed extra to kill it. I mean, so they weren't exactly any easier than my semi guided um my stone sheep hunts. And I always wanted to be, um, I have never been able to draw doll sheep in BC. And if I did that, I'd be the first guy to have a self-graded Grand Slam officially listed. And I never registered my Grand Slam that I finished in 2006 because I wanted that. So for 14 years, basically, I missed one or two years of, I couldn't draw doesn't mean, 
I mean, it doesn't mean my other doll sheep weren't just as hard as this do-it-yourself hunt, but technically they're not self-guided, even though the guides and I were young guys and buddies. But So it, it, I, I don't judge the guy who hunts too much as with the guides, and, and don't the guy who wants to do, do, do it yourself. I mean, we're all hunters. we got to stay together. And, um, Great but, perspective. But you have to have a good attitude. I mean, a, a, what's that saying? Attitude, not your attitude, not your aptitude, will determine your attitude, altitude. And that's really important. Um, and I do see hunting bring out the best and worst in a person. I've seen guys, honestly, weren't very impressive when they got off the plane. Uh, this guy's going to have a hard time. You know, on day six or seven, he's doing better every day and grinding it out, never complaining, pleasure to be with, not a great hunter, but a great person. And I've seen guys that were super tough, and they did something went wrong. They missed an animal. Whining, um, and bitch, oh my god, moan, belly aching, cry, and come back to yeah. camp, and, and so yeah, and I, then they're upset because their so cornflakes aren't right. And, attitudes, uh, everything, no matter what. Yeah, you I do. agree. All right, Brad. So give us your perspective. Just in wrapping up, wrapping it up, I would say this: um, there's an evolution and a life cycle of a hunter. As you get older, there is more attraction also into having some assistance you know packing out if you're going to shoot a moose that's uh, 16 trips that's a lot you know somebody who knows how to break down a moose an elk and help you get it off the mountain there's some value in that i enjoy backpacking less and less as i get older and older and that happens to everybody every year so there's all kinds of pros and cons of, as everything you look at self-guided do it yourself um guided hunts so um and i like them both i love them both actually it, it, it's a different experience it's a lot of fun i love the perspective all right well that wraps this one up thanks for listening in today remember itunes spotify google play as well as many other locations we're on there if you want to get a hold of us give us a shout 605-644-8000 605-644-8000 brian mountain man martin is here brad the 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 yeah, Brad Gaines. We, we I, I couldn't could come up with it. I'm not Brian Martin. I couldn't just throw something out that wasn't uh, on PG-13. So we'll keep it safe. But thanks for listening today. Hey, as always, be safe. Stay healthy. And if you're listening to this two years from now, we did it. We lived through COVID. <laughs>